Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. And today's buzz phrase is corporate banking. If your company's treasury department is locked in an uh, stranglehold with your commercial bank, Take comfort in the fact that you are not alone. The experts speak. We're going to welcome Richard Walker today from Deloitte. He says, for commercial banks, the imperative is on improving customer experience and becoming easier to do business with through ease of integration, data, and process transparency. Richard has a lot more to tell us when we bring him on in a couple minutes. We're also going to be speaking with Oli Kakonen. He says, when you walk through a storm, hold your chin up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of the storm is a golden sky. You all know those are the lyrics from You'll Never Walk Alone. He chose them for a good reason on our corporate banking transformation topic. We'll be speaking to Oli in just a few. Rob Grimes is with us today. He asks, who is the competition these days? With everything from supermarket chains, you know, Sainsbury, Walmart, to tech giants like Google, PayPal, and eBay, Entering the financial services sector, a bank has a new challenge, not only to compete with its own kind of bank, but compete with completely new players. Will banks be able to survive the competition? Rob will tell us more in a moment. And rounding out the panelists, Tom McAllister from SAP, as is Rob. And Tom says, demand for new revenue sources driven by capital needs and to some degree, Mitigation of short to midterm geographic risk, there's a key word, kids, geographic, is causing many banks to look beyond their borders for other sources of capital, and that increases the risk. So we'll be talking to them. So join us for the next hour for Transforming Corporate Banking. Show me the money. (laughs) That's our topic for today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to welcome you to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are live. It is Wednesday, November 28th. Where has the year gone? I have a quick message. Message, message for my listeners in the banking industry. Do you want to be a banking game changer? Uh-huh, that's our topic today. I've got a free brochure for you about banking innovations that can help you run better. Look on our business channel page, see the Calling All Bankers banner. Click it or go to spr.ly forward slash game dash changers and find the brochure there. Okay, let me introduce my guests now, tell you a little bit about them. We'll hear their voices and then we will launch into our topic. Richard Walker is a principal at Deloitte Consulting with over 19 years of experience in consulting focused on technology strategy and transformation in, of course, the financial services industry. Welcome, Richard. How are you today? Excellent, Bonnie. Good morning. Thank you for joining me. And we're also joined by Oli Kakonen, MSC. He's a senior payments infrastructure expert. That's a big title for Nordea Bank. He's been active in the SWIFT board, ISO 20022, as co-representative for Finland and serves on the EBA clearing board. Welcome, Oli. How are you today? Excellent. Hello to everybody. Wonderful. You're calling from Brussels. We'll be talking to you in just a minute. Rob Grimes is Senior Director within Solution Management, Value-Added Solutions at SAP. He has worked in banking-related software and consulting for 15 years. Rob, where are you calling from today? Hi, guys. I'm uh, calling from London, and it's a most unpleasant day, I might add. 
Well, we're going to make it. We're going to make it more pleasant for you. And Tom McAllister is a senior industry principal in the Financial Services Group at SAP America. His 35-year-plus career in financial services includes serving as CIO and head of operations for the Bank of Ireland U.S. Holdings. Welcome, Tom McAllister. How are you today? Oh, Bonnie, doing great. Hope you're well. Wonderful. Oh, I'm. I'm. Looking forward. So let's deep dive into our topic. Richard Walker from Deloitte, I'm going to start with you. For commercial banks, the imperative is on improving customer experience and becoming easier to do business with through blah, blah, blah. Okay, talk to me. Why is this so imperative for commercial banks? Are they really losing traction, losing market share, losing their existing base? Tell me a little bit about the scenario, Richard. Um, uh, it's a very interesting time, Bonnie. The, the scenario is this. Um, banks have, have, have largely... Um, you know, underdelivered on on customer experience and service, on the level of integration for the products they provide, and uh, and and there's an increasing battle for um, uh, attention from treasury groups. So mm-hmm. it's in- critical for commercial banks to to um, capture more market share, to do more business, to make sure that they don't see the relationships they have in the treasury space. So you know, most of the banks we're working with are investing in. Um, making onboarding easier, um, providing better data transparency for um, uh, you know critical transactions, um, providing more channels for service, and mm-hmm. and really trying to you know transform the service that they wrap around what is largely a commodity product, um, and do it on a, on a scale basis. To be in this business, you know, commercial banks have to have to achieve you know maximal scale. It's a big box, throw a lot of coal in it run it at, at scale capacity. And, you know, all uh, treasury groups deal with multiple banks. These mm-hmm. banks have to differentiate themselves through how easy they are to do business with. Okay, so I'm very... That's what's really driving change uh, uh, and... from our perspective. Thank you, Richard. I'm very intrigued that you mentioned improving customer experience. You know, that's typically what I'm used to hearing in the consumer space. But, of course, Treasury Department in any company is a customer of the bank. So let's talk about that more later in the second segment. I want to come back to what a customer experience means in this regard. Let me welcome Oli Kakonen. And Oli, you're calling in from Brussels. You have sent me a quote from the song, You'll Never Walk Alone. When you walk through a storm, hold your chin up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of the storm is a golden sky. I think it's in the sweet tones of the lark. So what does this have to do with the plight of commercial banks today, Oli? I think that uh, if you look uh, sad, then then you are using more money, which cover all but money. And then money is in all transactions. All but money means that we are moving to information technology. I think uh, Richard uh, quite rightly pointed out that uh, uh, we are uh, serving the clients in a different way than we used to do. I see a lot of uh, uh, new initiatives uh, popping up globally, how we can improve the services. But would there then be enough business for everybody? Concentration mm-hmm. of business has started and it will evolve. And then the, we are in a transition uh, uh, phase uh, in the financial industry. 
Thank you, Oli. Good overview, good perspective. And by the way, that's one of my favorite, I think one of everybody's favorite songs. So thanks for the memories there. Rob Grimes, you ask a very important question, tailing on what we just said with Richard and Oli. Who is the competition these days with everything from supermarket chains, and you mentioned Walmart, of course, one of the biggest here in the U.S., to tech giants Google, PayPal, and their wonderful company eBay entering the financial services sector. A bank has a new challenge, not only compete with its own kind, which is the way it used to be, Rob, but also compete with completely new players. And you ask, will banks be able to survive the rapid change in competition and the use of technology to bring consumer and corporate banking services to the unbanked? Talk to me, Rob. What's the importance of this competition? Is it do or die today? Is there a window of opportunity here, or is it do it now or perish? Well, actually, Bonnie, I think there's great opportunity. Every challenge creates a new uh, opportunity for the banks, Um, especially if you look at uh, the history that – Banks are many hundreds of years old, starting with, you know, a safe in the front of their uh, of their window shop, um, mm-hmm. and over the last hundred years, they've been very dominant in this market. They've been advisor, they've been trusted, um, and in a very short space of time, uh, other industries are moving into the financial services sector, and technology is helping these new entrants. Um, but I think what banks have is that that underlying experience, and and it's an opportunity mm-hmm. for them to move ahead again in a new way, to new innovate. Banks actually are extremely innovative, but they have to look upon it as, I must do this, not I might, I'm sitting back because I've got all of these years of experience. So I think if they look upon it as an opportunity, then there's huge reward for banks to move ahead of these new entrants, but they have to recognize these new entrants are coming along behind them. Thank you, Rob. And I'm going to introduce the T word, trust. You don't have to answer it now, but we'll get to it when we do our formal roundtable in the second segment. Question for me is, do people, whether they're in a corporate treasury department or a consumer's trust somebody who is not a traditional bank? How comfortable are people doing their so-called banking with PayPal and eBay and Google and Walmart? Is this too new for the stomachs of a lot of the consumers and even the people who are running the treasury departments? We'll talk about that later. Tom McAllister, we have time for you. Demand for new revenue sources driven by capital needs and to some degree mitigation of geographic risk is causing many banks to look beyond their borders for other sources of capital, When this movement goes outside familiar boundaries, especially in commercial banking and treasury, which is our topic today, cash management challenges take on new meaning and risk. Talk to me about that risk, Tom. Well, Bonnie, I think, you know, we all know that the major banks, the money centers have been uh, global for for decades, uh, centuries. Uh, Mm -hmm. But there's a new opportunity for for the secondary, the regional, the smaller and midline regional banks to also – uh, look outside for new sources of capital, look outside of the country for two reasons, really. One, uh, to grow, uh, but also to service uh, a growing population within the, the country. You know, there's a lot of folks that are here sending money back home, but, there's, but they also have small businesses and they want to expand back to their home countries. Uh, that requires transferring funds. That requires setting up uh, the ability to do that, maybe foreign currency transactions, holding currencies uh, in, in different country uh, uh, levels. Uh, someone here in the United States might be transferring to Mexico. They could mm-hmm. be transferring uh, to Poland or Greece or any place else also. And uh, the banks have two choices. They can go through a correspondent, uh, like they have been in some cases, or they can actually facilitate and holding the currencies on their own books and then transferring to just other banks to the accounts of uh, the particular people that uh, they're holding currency for. 
these are new opportunities for the banks. Uh, they raise capital. It's good capital because it's a deposit. But at the same time, uh, they're able to you know, apply different services uh, to these customers, these business customers, the corporate customers. Uh, the other thing they do is add additional services because I think corporate banking used to be, you know, we'll, we'll take your transactions, we'll make your payments, uh, we'll take care of your receivables. Uh, but now we're saying let's take care of the corporate accounts and let's give the the calling offices and let's give the corporate offices the ability to manage the accounts on the fly. And then they're looking at mobility. And those are all kinds of services you can offer not only within the bank, but you can offer to your customers. Okay. So I hear you saying that technology can be the boost or the downfall, the advent of mobility, which we know is pervasive. Everybody wants to be somewhere else with a mobile device and do their business one way or another. So the question is, is technology going to save the banks or is it going to put them into this downward spiral where they have to use technology to get back on top because their customers demand mobility, et cetera, et cetera. We have so many questions here. We're ready for our first break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by S. SAP. This topic today affects every one of you. Listen up. Transforming corporate banking. Show me the money. When we come back, we'll find out what's in my guest cups today. Don't even think of touching that app. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more not just in it for profit but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways listen for be more achieve more inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host chris cooper you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance these people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more be more achieve more can be heard live fridays at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel the world of finance is complicated at times and continues to be that way How do you know if the decisions you're making today will be the right ones for tomorrow? Now, you've got a guy in finance. Host James Butler aims to make these decisions less complicated by spelling out the intentionally vague banking terms into a language that you can better understand. We'll also explore some real-world cases that can keep you from making the same mistakes others have made. You've got a guy in finance. Is heard live Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 
Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are. Time for me to ask the critical question of my four special guests. What are you drinking today? Let's start off with Richard Walker from Deloitte. Do you have a Deloitte coffee mug, Richard, or is it just a plain, ordinary, a personal one? Tell me, what does it look like and what are you drinking? Well, Bonnie, um, of course it's a Deloitte coffee mug. Um, you know, here in the office we don't, uh, we don't use paper products, right? We try to green the office, but um, I have in my cup what I have every morning. It's a, uh, an Americano that's black as midnight on a moonless night. Oh, how poetic. I am swooning right now. I'm certainly not walking alone on that. And I have a pitch for our coffee mug when we're finished. Oli, you're in Brussels. What's in your cup today, Oli? Well, actually, it's uh, green tea from uh, Japan. So hello to Takaishi if you are listening to me to, at this very moment. And then I brought some honey from Finland. So it's a nice gesture. makes your blood to circulate properly with uh, you guys. <laughs> I love it. I have to ask you, what kind of honey? We really have to know because nobody oh, has spoken it's, about uh, honey. Honey, well... Honey is collected uh, uh, close to my summer home from all kinds of uh, flowers, and then the local uh, producer <coughs> sells it uh, from a box. So you leave uh, five euros uh, for a box, and then and then then you get uh, get honey. So it's it's uh, based on trust. Uh, and that's going to be our word when we get done with the coffee break segment. Thank you for that great segue, Oli. Rob Grimes, what are you drinking today? Well, Bonnie, uh, after all, I am an Irishman, so I'm having a nice uh, Irish coffee. And uh, the reason whiskey has come to mind, uh, if you think our jobs are great, I was visiting a distillery last week, and uh, before 12 o'clock in the day, they would be given three drams of whiskey to drink, all of the employees, to keep them happy as they did their job making fine whiskey. So uh, I think that is the kind of job that someday I might have to go for. I think you might. We could say that that's a high-spirited workforce, couldn't we, Rob? Yes, oh. yes, yes. Oh, sorry, somebody had to say it. I'm, I'm the fool here. Tom McAllister, what drink is thou? Let's go formal with you, Tom. Where are you calling from, first of all, Tom? Where are you? I'm calling from New Hampshire, up in the middle of the oh. state on a beautiful lake. I'm waving to you. I'm in New York on Long Island, and it's actually a beautiful day. So what are you drinking, Tom McAllister? Well, I'm having uh, my usual coffee this morning. Um uh, but uh, I decided to, you know, put a little cream and sugar in. I usually don't do that. But uh, I'm optimistic about what's going on, although uh, Rob is just uh, kind of excited me to maybe add something else going on a little later today. But uh, I- I'm just excited about, you know, what's going on. I think we're all a little worried about uh, what's transpired after the election and what's going to happen in Congress, Congress. But at the same time, uh, I'm optimistic that we've got bright people and, they're going to do the best for the country, and then you know, which influences a greater part of the world. So, I'm glad we've never had a political commentary as part of the coffee break segment, but I'm glad to hear that. And I have a couple of tweets to read. Jamie Anderson, who has been a guest on this show, Rob, you may know Jamie. He said, "I'm loving this right now. The best gourmet coffee from a family coffee company, and apparently, it's RogersFamilyCo.com." And we have a note here from Sean is in. Let's see, Sean is in McNiven is with Malcolm in Palo Alto. He said he's in the office imbibing Starbucks. But, side note, once you've had coffee in Rome, there's no turning back, I'm afraid. Dear me. Thank you, Sean, for listening. And Malcolm is stuck in a conference room as well. He said, but it's not so bad. They provided the minimum. Ah, Starbucks. Malcolm, what can I tell you? It's not your usual equator coffee, which you adore and you promote. But... 
we'll deal with it. So let's talk about trust. It's a word that's bandied about. I'm used to hearing that in all kinds of business transactions. We talk about the customer experience. We talk about trust. Do you trust your vendor? Do you trust your partners? Do you trust your colleagues? Whom do you trust? That's the correct title for a show, a talk, a game show that Johnny Carson hosted before he became famous for hosting The Tonight Show. It was called Who Do You Trust? And we all debated it should have been called Whom. But I digress. So, Oli, let's talk about trust in the banking field. You're a senior payments infrastructure expert for Nordea Bank. How does trust come into the equation in Nordea versus all of the new banks that are springing up? We're talking Walmart. We're talking PayPal. Talk to me, Oli. Indeed, Bonnie. I think we have gone a long way from uh, the nomination of my word is my bond. That was the trust in the old days. But currently, trust is uh, based on supervision and the bank's performance to deliver the services uh, with high quality. When we talk about supervision, we have gone uh, uh, quite far uh, in uh, providing uh, oversight uh, authorities all kinds of uh, reports uh, stating what our status is uh, from capital requirements, from performance, uh, from uh, uh, resilience, and so on and so forth. And all those count uh, when we talk about who would be then the trusted counterparties. And I'm afraid that uh, possibly this will uh, generate a new way of uh, behavior and there will be less financial institutions on the market Mm-hmm. due to the fact that these are extremely costly exercises uh, for banks. And, of course, we will uh, uh, cooperate with uh, supervisory authorities, but uh, but uh, this is uh, going to be um, a rather extensive exercise globally. Thank you, Oli. Rob Grimes, I want you to chime in here. Trust, what does that mean to you from your perspective of uh, direct, Senior Director of Solution Management at Value Added Solutions at SAP in the banking field? What does trust mean to you? Sure. Um, well, I think trust is quite an interesting term because um, to be slightly controversial, human nature can be quite fickle. And at the end of the day, a corporate is a representative of, uh, of, of humans. And, um, and trust cannot be bought. It just can't. It takes years to, to gain trust. And I do think that some of the uh, talk about the new entrants coming to the market are are buying the services through lower costs. They're being um, they're offering mm-hmm. service that is that is cheaper to consume, is maybe easier to consume. But the people con- taking those services are forgetting about the trust factor. And I think it'll come full circle that uh, that banks will come back into it because what they offer is uh, advice and trust that will will shine ahead of of some of these cheaper um, offerings in the financial services market. Um, but let's all face it: at the same time. Trust has uh, has sort of been decreased over the past few years over what's happened in the in the market, but it, it's just like any cycle. I think uh, trust has to be regained across the entire market, and uh, and it's going to be a matter of time. But as I said, you know, trust is a very important factor that some people are forgetting that needs to to be brought back into this kind of business. Exactly why I brought it up. I think it's a very important topic. But I want to segue over to the topic of technology. Is it going to be the boost or the downfall of these commercial banks as they struggle to survive? And, in fact, is it a battle of survival of the fittest? Richard Walker at Deloitte, what do you think? How is technology? Is it going to help them? Is it going to doom them? Uh, how, how does a commercial bank today decide how fast they should move in the technology spectrum, how many changes they should make, how soon, how much should they invest? What's your perspective? 
Thanks, Bonnie. Um, I think that um, banks have the opportunity to eat their own lunch with technology before somebody else does. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, if if they if they think that there is, you know, if there are elements that protect the market share they have beyond the use of technology to deliver um, uh, services that build trust, right? So, you know, I, I do want to work that in. Mm-hmm. Then, um, yes. you know, they're, they're, they're mistaken, right? Because, these, you know, there are new entrants, um, but the traditional entrants are exploiting technology as well, right? They are using technology to um, create the building blocks of trust, which are making a commitment following through uh, within the time frame committed. Um, historically, um, you know, banks that uh, are delivering treasury services and commercial bank uh, services to corporates uh, rely on uh, people, uh, process, and paper, and uh, it's all carbon-based workflow. It's, it's you know, people doing things, um, you know, managing their own queue and ultimately getting it done, but the the notification, the transparency, and the ability for, mm-hmm. you know, somebody in Treasury to know when they requested a new signatory on a lockbox to be added, that it'll be added within the next 48 hours. Um, you know, this element uh, is, is definitely being, um, uh, you know, considered, taken on board, and advanced at, at, at banks. The notion of becoming the FedEx of Treasury services or the, or the Amazon of Treasury services, because from their view, you know, the, the way that they use technology and the way that they use transparency and access to information, you know, to build trust that when something is requested, you get confirmation is requested, expectations are set, and expectations are met. Those building blocks can be supported uh, and exploited by new entrants, you know, coming into this space. Um, but big banks with the existing relationships and the um, capital uh, and, and uh, reach to deliver those services, it's definitely going to be best positioned to to exploit technology to the fullest. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, uh, Tom, just to add in there. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. I was going to say, uh, Richard's got a very good point there around mm-hmm. um, new entrants are treating a lot of these financial services like a commodity business. So therefore, mm-hmm. the element of trust is not needed as much because it's it's just a commodity. Um, and I think banks are recognizing things like, for example, payments are becoming low margin commodity must be done perfectly, very much like the manufacturing industry. It's got to be turned out. And, and trust has to move up the value chain. So it's, it's more advisory services and, and more advanced services where the banks can win out. But let's face it, a lot of financial service instruments are just becoming commodity. Good, good point. And I want to squeeze Tom McAllister in here before we go to break. And, Tom, we'll start the next segment with you. Tom, you have 35 years in the financial services industry. You were CIO and head of operations for the Bank of Ireland U.S. Holdings. Uh, what, what do you see in terms of how, how long has it taken commercial banks to get into this ditch they're in, if, in fact, they are, to get into this, this quagmire where the new ones are springing up, they have to make technology decisions, they have to be faced with whether to commoditize everything, the issue of trust, the issue of convenience and the price. What's your perspective? Well, my perspective, I think we have to look at it from two sides. Uh, when we say uh, mm-hmm. commercial banking and, and corporate banking, I think, you know, today we're kind of focusing on the commercial side or the business banking side uh, of a commercial bank. And uh, But if we look at the corporate, the corporates are have the same issues, a lot of the same issues the banks do, right? They're they want to run leaner. They want to increase their uh, return on their investments. Uh, they want to automate as where they can, and they want to optimize the funds. There's not a lot of ability out there to make a lot of return on your funds. So 
what you want to do is maximize uh, your billing. You want to, if you're looking at payments, you want to maximize your receivables. But you also want to be have different uh, options for services. Now, take the bank side. The bank's looking for uh, new sources of revenue. We talked about. Uh, I, I talked about a little bit. Uh, you know, going outside, looking outside your own geographic area, uh, crossing borders, but. But wherever you cross or however you're looking for revenue, you're still looking to run your business uh, leaner and faster and much more flexible. So you have to offer, as a bank, many more services to the corporates, and you have to find a way to do that that's different than you're doing it today. You know, the the industry is saturated with legacy systems. They're hard to change. Mm -hmm. They're expensive to maintain on both sides. So the banks that can offer corporate services – uh, more corporate services at, at faster and allow the corporations to run better, to know what their, their positions are, not only at the corporate where they're making some reference to it or some guess, but actually looking in a real-time environment at all the subsidiaries all over the world and knowing what the position is. Do you have an overage? Can you invest that night? Do you need to borrow money for that day? Maybe you mm-hmm. borrowed from another subsidiary. So services, I think, is the key. And frankly, when you deal with a customer and you offer them the ability to do their business better, that engenders trust. Good. I like to go out on that note. And trust me, we will be back with a lot. Thank you, Tom, for that. We will be back with a lot more of Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm talking to Richard Walker at Deloitte, Oli Kapkonen from Nordia Bank, Rob Grimes, and Tom McAllister from SAP. A lot of brain power here, a lot of thoughts. We're going to be talking more about legacy systems, about technology. We'll save the banks and about the customer experience for commercial banks and their treasury customers. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that app. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at twitter hashtag SAPRADIO now let's get back to coffee break with game changers Welcome back. I hope you had time to refresh. Listen, if you want your own official SAP Game Changers mug, we've got one for you. Our compliments. We'll even ship it to you on the house. Go to sapgamechangersradio.com. There you go. And just sign in and tell us where to send your mug, and we'll be happy to do that. So I want to start off with Tom McAllister. Tom, I want you to talk to me. We were dipping our toe in the waters of legacy. We were talking about technology saving the banks but being part of the problem. I want to ask you, uh, I'm going to switch this up a little bit. Tom, from your point of view, and then everybody please chime in, 
What does it take for a commercial bank to woo or to keep a customer in business world today? What do they have to do to say, stay with us or come with us to a treasury department? What is the DNA of the people on both sides of that transaction? Tom McAllister from SAP? Well, I, I think, uh, you know, basically you have to use the same capability and selling capability. Banks got to be in sales, and, and there's some great salespeople in the banks. But um, how do you woo a new customer? Probably the same way you keep the existing one. You have to, you have to offer them services that allow them to conduct their business better. And what that means is uh, if they want, need funds, they ought to be able to get them. If they need a line of credit to to, uh, you know, maybe subsidize a, a payroll because receivables are a little slow, have the ability to help them increase those receivables uh, instead of, instead of uh, going out and selling a new account and waiting months to get that account on. I'd be able to take it on in days. This is called onboarding in the corporates, uh, onboarding corporate customers. Corporate customers don't do business with one bank anymore. They, they can't. I mean, it's just from the safety and soundness of the organization. So they have to go to Benny. And so if you can facilitate that, and now we're talking maybe a computer vendor to facilitate mm-hmm. that more quickly and allow them to do business with a number of banks, uh, allow them to uh, have services to, to look at how do I, uh, what's my spend? What's my daily spend? Or how about routing? Should I be routing everything through a Fed wire when I can do it on an ACH? Or I can maybe, you know, Eliminate printing those checks because we just send them uh, through slower means of uh, communication, but it's still electronic, still digital. All of those services you could do. Maybe you can a bank can offer factoring to a, a mid-level uh, business because they need some revenue. They can't wait for the receivables. Everything is service-oriented. I think it's also optimizing the relationship, having you know face-to-face. You can't beat that. You got to look them in the eye. You have to conduct your business, and a, a customer wants to know that you understand their business. So I think that's very critical. Exactly, and the key word I got to take away from you, Tom, was that it's about people. It's still about people, damn it. Yes, it is. It's about face-to-face. What are you going to do for me? What am I going to get out of it? It's still transaction-based. Um, let's see. Oli, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience at Nordea Bank. What is it like being a senior payments infrastructure expert? Are you involved in sales or in – I know you're involved in, in ISO and the SWIFT board and the EBA clearing board. Are you involved in any of this uh, trying to – Get customers, keep customers. Talk to us a little more about your experience, please. Well, my responsibilities uh, call for a wide variety of activities. But what uh, actually Tom was saying is uh, is uh, hitting the nail. Uh, but my, my counter question then would be that when the capital requirements are getting stricter and stricter for banks, the long-term relationship we are having with uh, uh, key clients uh, it cannot be um, continued at the same time for all of them. So you have to choose and, and then discuss with uh, the clients uh, how much business we are willing to take uh, from their side and to finance that uh, from balance sheet or from outside sources and so on and so forth. And, and this um, selection of, uh, of clients is taking place. I'm now talking about uh, mainly in Europe. Uh, some banks are withdrawing their activities uh, from certain markets and some are staying there because they want to uh, uh, take care of the, the key clients. But, uh, but not everybody will be on the market anymore. Okay. Rob Grimes, what's your thought on this in terms of keeping 
existing customers, retaining them with what is it, or whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes to keep you, or is it, hey, I'll let you go because the next one coming down the pike might be more profitable. Is that coming to the equation at all today? Um, well, I think the first thing is that uh, banks are definitely of the acceptance that a multi-bank relationship with a corporate is inevitable. Um, okay. And so once they've got over that and, and got away from the denial that, that there are many banking relationships with a single uh, customer, then they start thinking about, well, how can I differentiate myself? Um, and as I was saying earlier, you could look at some of the financial instruments, such as, uh, as I said, payments as, as, well, it's just a payment, but it, it can be so much more in terms of advisory, uh, where Ollie was touching on helping a customer know what they need to do with their investment, with their portfolio, and with their cash. So I kind of feel that it's going to be moving well up in terms of how do I know what my customer needs and how can I tell them what they need on a far more proactive basis rather than uh, probably the old approach was the customer came into the the branch or or rang up the bank and asked for a service. I think banks now have to get on the front foot and they'll start being proactive about the types of services they can offer, but they will be able to generate those types of uh, service offerings via the advisory, the analytical, the understanding of, of what their customer needs. Um, I would add, though, they have to do all of that with the backdrop of the regulators. And, and then the key question is, are the regulators holding the banks back in terms of the innovation and the service that they can offer? So it's a bit of a catch-22 to be innovative, to come up with new ideas, um, but to realize that the regulators have also got a bit of a, a hold over what they can and they cannot do. For example, did you know that a Japanese bank could not sell coffee in a branch because it's not a financial instrument. So very really? simple examples like that make it difficult for a bank to innovate. You know, now, did you say they can't sell it or they can't serve? I just want to clarify that. They can't sell it or they can't even serve it, Rob? They can't sell it. Couldn't sell Sir. it as a, as a revenue line. Got it. Okay, go ahead. Who was talking? Uh, Tom. Uh, Hi, Tom. Yeah. I, just, I want to just jump in and... and and, and, uh, first of all, I think Rob's dead on, but Ollie made a good point about uh, banks looking at their customer base and saying, you know, there may be accounts that they can't offer all the services to. And so, they, you know, I mean, let's face it, we can all think of a bank that decided that raising two things get uh, increased revenue, but the other thing might some of the customers go away and they weren't profitable anyway. Uh, that's a whole other segment you can have on it. That's right. Here's the point. If the banks are more flexible, run, uh, can run their operations uh, less with less cost and, and optimize what they offer to the banks, they may be able to keep that middle segment that maybe today isn't that profitable. But as they grow and they succeed, they'll be much more profitable in the future. So if the banks uh, invest today in new technology, uh, then they can hold on and, and maybe just process those customers for net. Net net, but in the future these customers are going to grow, and instead of losing them, technology can help them retain their future base. Thank you, Tom. I have a Indeed, question for all of you. Well, go ahead, Ollie. Go ahead. You know, I was just saying that when uh, the global standardization is moving forward, if we look at uh, the financial institutions, everybody had a slightly different connectivity protocol. Everybody mm-hmm. then had a wide variety of syntaxes that we supported, proprietary, domestic, global, you name it. Now when we are having a more standardized approach to the corporate market, then 
uh, what uh, Rob was saying, that the real innovative uh, banks will be the winners. Those who in this collaborative space of standardized services can serve the client in the best possible way in a multi-bank environment, naturally. Okay. I have a quick question for all of you. We haven't talked about the DNA of today's company treasury department. Who is running the department? Who is making the decisions about, A, which bank or banks to choose, and, B, what portion of the, of the company's business will they give to each bank? How much specialization are they looking for? What kind of interactions are they looking for? How fussy are they about advisory? And I don't mean that in a bad way. So let's see. We have three minutes to break. I want to make sure we get everybody's voice in. Richard, why don't you just quickly tell me who is the typical, if that is possible to define, who who is the typical person at a, a corporation, let's say a big multi-global, multinational corporation that is in the Treasury Department making these decisions on behalf of that company? Richard Walker? Thanks, Bonnie. So um, great question. I, I did interview the treasurer of a, one of the largest technology companies in the world about their treasury relationships um, and, and who they do business with. And, and they increasingly are doing business with, with firms they call the advisory elite, firms that um, spend ah. the time to understand their strategies, to understand what they're trying to do and bring um, solutions to them, not just transact for them. Banks that had, had taken the transaction role were getting less volume. Um, other banks that were trying to bring innovative technology at this time, you know, mobile um, technologies, which could be uh, you know, disruptive to the, the, the way that the, um, you know, approvals happen, things like that, and, and change that. You know, those, those banks were viewed, you know, in this treasurer's um, uh, term as gadgety, Right, that they mm-hmm. hadn't actually worked out how how mobile plugs in. I, I think that 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 things are 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 being driven from the top still. I think that um, uh, that price is a big deal. Price is price sensitivity okay. with regard to where you send volume. I think that some new technology um, innovations are going to start to work their way in because ultimately, and this this just wraps up, I think, a lot of what's been said. You know, mm-hmm. the the consumerization of technology in corporates is getting into the treasury group as well, and what treasury groups care about is advice convenience and customer service, and price, right? In so that order? Three things. The products don't matter. It's advice, right? It's, it's convenience, it's customer service, and it's, and it's price. That's, that's our view, and that's, that's how decisions are being made in large corporates. Very, very interesting. I'm right up against the break, but if anybody wants to jump in, I'll give the, the first voice to speak 30 seconds to add to what Richard said. Anybody agree, disagree quickly? Who wants to take this? Fast. Richard, Richard, don't forget about the AAA banks. Corporates, uh, have a look on, uh, on the, the statistics. Uh, uh, what is the quality of a financial institution? Uh, it'd be difficult uh, even for innovative banks if their rating is uh, B or B+. Plus. Thank you, Oli. Good point. point. Richard, Oli. Speaking of triple A's. Okay, good to know. Okay, guys, it's time for us to take our final break. When we come back, you all know what to expect. My guests are going to be polishing off that crystal ball while we take a 54-second break. When we come back, we'll be asking them to gaze into the future, perhaps five years ahead to 2017. Bonnie D. Graham, this is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Yes, let's. And we're back. And reminder, calling all bankers. Are you ready to run better? I have a free brochure for you on bank innovations. There's a nice banner that says bankers on our business channel page, or you could go to S pr.ly slash game dash changers whole bunch of free offers some good information for you on us okay crystal ball time time to wrap up here with my four esteemed guests i'm going to ask them in the order in which i introduced them at the top of the show what will corporate banking be like in 2017 let's go about a minute and a half tops each richard walker from deloitte let's start with you please thanks bonnie i think corporate banking is going to be a lot more um, information-driven, integrated, um, transparent, um, automated, uh, and real-time. Um, you know, that, that's pretty optimistic for the time frame that you've highlighted. It, it, it pretends, you know, a lot of change to legacy process, to legacy systems, and to the interconnectedness of banks with their treasury customers, but, you know, if 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 we haven't concluded that vision, we'll at least be well on our way. I know that we're uh, we've started that journey, but we'll we'll there'll be clear evidence that that's the destination um, by that point in time. Thank you very much. Good perspective, Richard. We may even have a little time left for a bonus question at the end. Let's move to Oli Kakonen from Nordia Bank calling in today all the way from Brussels through the magic of technology and smoke and mirrors on Internet radio. Oli, can you look ahead five years for me and tell me what corporate banking will be like from your point of view? Well, in uh, five years' time, uh, uh, my crystal ball is a little bit hazy. But if we uh, take the point uh, from five years from now and then uh, move to current uh, um, time, then uh, we see certain milestones in between uh, now and and the future. One is the global standardization, uh, which is uh, moving forward uh, rapidly. And there, I'm, I'm looking at very much uh, the geographical distribution of know-how, knowledge, innovative uh, actions, and so on and so forth. Maybe because I come from Europe, uh, the SEPA single euro payment area will be having a mandated end date by 2014 for non-euro countries, 2016. And then we are fairly close to completion of our journey uh, in uh, 32 countries. 
That's the second Thank point. You. And then okay. uh, we need a collaboration in a, instead of competition between financial institutions, integrators, ERP providers, and those who are actually using these systems. That is the new tendency which I, I very much count on, and we are then uh, comparing different areas uh, globally. Where do we stand in, uh, in five years' time, which you referred to? Thank you so much, Oli. Great predictions. Appreciate that, and I, I'm sure the crystal ball will get a little less hazy as the time goes on. Let's turn to Rob Grimes from SAP. Rob, do you have a good, clear view of the future? Do you want to go five years, more or less? Up to you. Sure. Um, I think I'll break it into two, really, is, is what do they need to do to, to be around in the year 2017, and what are the things that commercial banks need to look at? But but then I'll kind of share with you what I think they will be in, in, in that time frame. So, I mean, I have to admit, I do think that uh, the commercial bank area has to innovate or die, you could say. You've got to look mm-hmm. at it. Everybody's trying to cut costs. Everyone's trying to consolidate. But uh, innovation is the name of the game at the moment. Uh, it's not even technology. Technology is moving at a, a million miles an hour, and so is innovation. So, you know, if you don't get on now, 2017, you'll be so far behind. I don't know what you would do. Another thing is... I think commercial bank has to look at the, uh, the consumer market. It, everything is going on to device. It's, uh, it's far more user-friendly. We're, we're gone are the days where the consumer would have something different to the, the corporate. So definitely need to, to, to learn some, some lessons there. Um, I would say don't rely on tradition. You know, the, the tradition of the uh, four pillars in the, in the bank are, are not the same anymore. The safe in the in the, in the back of the bank. A uh, safe nowadays is, is seen as a, a sort of a, a centerpiece in the middle of the hallway. So what, what do I think it will be, though, in the future? I actually think banks will be doing what they've always done best, and that is they'll be uh, building relationships with their corporate customer. They'll be providing that trust that uh, Ollie talked about. They'll be advising their customers on what to do best. They won't be this commodity, and they won't be uh, all the things I talked about that people are looking for. They, they will still be seen as somebody who can help them and providing that personal touch. So I think technology is a given for the crystal ball. It's there. You must do the innovation piece. But in fact, they probably have to go back to grassroots and do what they always did best. And, and maybe that's being forgotten along the way. Maybe it has, and I'll throw in one of my favorite French phrases, plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Perhaps the more they revolve around and go back to what used to be what we knew and loved. Okay, let's turn to Tom McAllister. Crystal ball, what kind of predictions and how far out or what short term would you prefer to discuss, Tom McAllister? Well, I don't mind 2017 because that okay. gives me a little more latitude. Uh, okay. But I think there'll be fewer banks, and I think there'll be fewer uh-huh. banks because uh, what we see happening happening now in, in the tier three level banks is going to go upstairs. Uh, they can't compete. They uh, they don't have the facility to offer you know services. And in corporate banking, you know everybody has said that it's a relationship business. At the end of the day, and let's not forget we haven't even talked about we've talked about payments and treasury. But but what happens is when a corporation does business with a bank, they do it business with a bank because they have to have a place to, to manage their business, and so they have a checking account, which you know, a deposit relationship. But they also have a, a, a lending relationship. And, and, you know, they want to build new buildings. They want to expand globally. They have to have a complete 
relationship. And I think the ability to do that and for the bank to understand their customers on an individual basis, Rob's comment, go back to how they do it in the retail banks. If that's what they do, the banks understand their retail customers a lot better sometimes than they do their corporates. And they have to understand what's made, what's the history, how can we analyze what's gone on in the past. Yeah, they want to make a, they want to get a loan because they want to expand. How risky is that for the bank? Because the bank's responsible for other people's money. It's not their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ability to analyze quickly. It all comes back to helping the customer know their costs, but the bank knowing their costs, too, to offer those services. So what do I think 2017? I think uh, we're going to have the new systems. They're faster. They're going to be able to analyze in real time. They're going to help, help our customers know what their position is, whether it's domestic or a global position. On, on the bank side, they're going to take their multiple silos, put them together more, and be able to offer the same services for, for a better platform. What do the banks have to do? got to make the corporates uh, be better on businesses. And, and to do that, they've got to have a, as much information at hand as possible. Thank you, Tom. Thank you all. Great predictions. I have a quick bonus question, and I mean quick. I'll give you each 10 seconds. <laughs> get, get your watches synchronized, boys. Okay. I've never called my guest boys before. Gentlemen, synchronize your watches. Question is, will PayPal still be a big player in five years, and what about Walmart and Google? Let's start with Richard Walker. 10 seconds. Go. So, Bonnie, yes, of course, they'll be a big player. You didn't constrain that with any boundaries uh, regarding what kind of player. They'll, they'll definitely be a big player in the banking space. They will be bigger than they are today, but I'm not sure that they're going to take on the AAA-rated banks. Thank you. Oli, what do you say? PayPal, Walmart, Google, quick. Yeah, of course they are there, and, and we love competition. So uh, welcome, everybody, on the market. Oh, what a good team player you are. Rob Grimes, will they still be here, and will they be bigger than bigger than ever in 2017? Fast. Uh, I think um, they or somebody else will be, but not as we know it. Okay. And Tom, quick, Tom McAllister? Yeah, uh, you know, they, they're more on the retail side than the, the corporate, obviously. Uh, they, they'll exist. Uh, I think what we're going to see, though, is the Walmarts and, and – uh, targets and everybody getting together they're published right now they've got a merchant customer exchange that they're trying to put together and and that's to save costs on the exchange costs so uh, again another entry into the corporate market into the banking market they're taking services Thank you, Tom. It's time for my predictions. They're easy and fast. Coming up next Wednesday, December 5th. Is it December already? OMG. We're talking about risk, HANA, and big data. December 12th, the power of small. You have to listen to figure that one out. December 26th is my second annual year-end Game Changers prediction special show. I'll be inviting back a dozen guests from this year's shows and asking them to look ahead just one year in their crystal ball on a variety of topics. I want to say thank you to Patricia Harris Anka Rebel, Malcolm Kimberlin, Sean McNiven, glad to have you on board. And our friends in the conference room at Palo Alto. And thanks to Brad and Ryan and the Business Channel team. And thank you to my special guests, Richard Walker, Oli Kakonen, Rob Grimes, Tom McAllister. And here are my parting words. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for SAP Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.